1: Welcome to episode 91 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is the rest of my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What's up? Uh, We got producer Jim Viscardi back on the couch for the first time in a long time. Boom. Nine episodes to 100. Yeah, I mean, well, technically, bonuses, we are over 100. This is like, but we don't do any weird comic book legacy numbering or anything like that. So (laughs) we'll just say, like, yeah, we're almost
2: there. And over in Jim's usual seat... Mr. J.K. Schmidt is back with us. How come I never get an introduction when I sit there? You do sometimes. Because you're just there supposed to be producing. You leaves me. Kofi, I do Kofi leaves me. It's a special occasion. You're not going like, to take it personally. Uh, Jim,
1: wow. You act like you've never been part of the show, like your voice has never been allowed to be heard. Um, despite our best efforts, it has been. So, like, you're, you're fine. And now you're back on the couch. Wow. So, you know, you, you, you kind of hop everywhere. It's, it's not true. like you're, you're being left out of this is whole true. thing. So. We're here today because, uh, well, you know, some of us are here today. we just trying to get ready and get through the uh, holidays. It's wear and tear time, but uh, as we get near our holiday break, there are big things to discuss today, so we're here to uh, do the job. We're going to be talking about DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths and do a whole recap of that because that's been a pretty epic crossover event, and we really haven't touched it because we wanted to see all the parts play out Mm -hmm. uh, before the break, uh, and so now we've seen it and uh, are better for it, and are going to talk about it. In addition to that, we're going to review the new film, Jumanji, The Next Level. And in between, we have a lot of Star Wars stuff to talk about. There's been some developments in the Star Wars universe and franchise this week, and we're going to talk about all that. And we'll review the new X-Books that came out this week, New Mutants, Fallen Angels, and X-Force Number 3. So, like I said, a lot to get to. Let's start off right at the top. Right before we came in here to film, we had to yes. kind of switch up everything in the show. As you see in the background with the man with unlimited power, we just got a new TV spot for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And man, this is probably the biggest kind of revelatory scene that we've ever gotten it from is this film. It is better
2: than anything they have put out. Up to this point. Yeah, and it's got
1: people buzzing, and for good reason. So basically, it's a clip. You can see it on comicbook.com, Star Wars, our Star Wars page, which is going to be hot and popping for the next week or so. (laughs) So bookmark now, because we're going to have a bunch of stuff from The Rise of Skywalker about the whole franchise, looking ahead, looking back, looking forward. It is Star Wars week coming up, and like I said, you guys want to mark that down, comicbook.com, Star Wars. Uh, JK and some other people like Patrick and a whole bunch of other people have been working hard at this, and we got a lot of special stuff for you guys, including
2: this new TV spot. I do want to say really quick before we go into this, if there, I know, because I know there are some people out there who are like media blackout on Star Wars, so I would maybe like skip three to five minutes ahead if you do not want to know anything about yeah. what we're talking about. because This is
1: not technically a spoiler but it is a very big pivotal scene of the film. Yes. The, I mean Lucasfilm has put this out there. It's public. It's a it's a new kind of TV clip trailer thing. Mm-hmm. So we so going to be out there people are, are going to be sensitive. talking about it. So if you don't want any knowledge of Rise of Skywalker. Like Jim said, skip ahead about five minutes. We'll be talking about perfectly okay stuff that you can then listen to. But um, we're going to get into what this clip is. Uh, good catch, Jim. Basically what this clip is. Last chance. Spoilers. You can get off the train right now. Right now. All right. Still here? So this first clip shows us Kylo Ren uh, landing on that ice planet we saw on the trailers. The dark kind of foreboding ice planet. He's popping his lightsaber, making some smoke come out of the ice because that's what you do. I mean, it's a nice callback to the Force Awakens. Um, But he kind of enters this thing, this structure that has, it's basically the bat cave with a floating cube like uh, Dark Knight Rises, where it makes me think that Mm -hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt must be lurking down somewhere (laughs) in here. Um, No, but in all seriousness, he does go down this kind of floating platform into this temple that looks very much like, if you've been watching the animated series like Clone Wars Rebels, specifically Rebels, it looks very much like a Sith temple, Mm -hmm. and he's kind of walking through, and it's this almost kind of like horror movie scene of him just... And then you hear this music start coming on, and you're like, wait a minute. I know those sounds. (laughs) That sounds very Emperor-ish. And as he's walking, he starts to hear a voice in presumably his head. It's presented as a voiceover, but it could very easily be like a voice in his head, someone speaking to him, because it's been a theme of this whole sequel trilogy. And the voice is Palpatine's, and it says, you know, at last, you've come like my boy. And he... The big line that he basically says i'm just paraphrasing but he says like i have been the voice in your head this entire time and you hear him speaking in three distinct voices the voices of emperor palpatine the voice of supreme leader smoke and the voice of darth vader which might be a little easter egg why jim because i know you're itching to say this
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because I think it's one. I mean, there's two things. One, I think it totally blows the was Snoke real theory like wide open. I could just been he could have been totally fake. But two, they got James Earl Jones to record some new lines for Darth Vader. We may get more of that like throughout this movie. And I think that is super freaking cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been back. He's been done stuff for uh, Rebels and whatnot. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is that but hear him it, in the f- movie into dropping such a kind of pivotal line. Yeah. Because what this basically reveals, or hints at at least, is that, yeah, Emperor Palpatine has been pulling the strings this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about the First Order and Kylo Ren's perceived connection to his grandfather, Darth Vader, mm-hmm. has been Emperor Palpatine kind of mentally manipulating him, which is something that, the last Jedi really tried to foreshadow and lay out for us mm-hmm. with the whole kind of mental connection between Ray and Kylo um, Luke in the whole kind of force illusion the, pro- or, yeah, the force force
2: projection force
1: projection thing this is all set the stage for what could explain Palpatine's return how he's influenced things what Supreme Leader Snoke was. Mm-hmm. Was he real? Was he a force projection? Nothing,
2: force projection.
1: Um, it, would, it would make that, I mean, it would contextualize a lot of the stuff that we have been complaining about throughout the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, I mean, there was all that criticism of the first scene of Snoke in Force Awakens. Because he's just a giant hologram. Yeah, people were like, "Well, what's that about? Why can't we like see this guy?" I mean, now that would actually yeah. make that relevant and explain that.
2: And then, but there was also that scene where he was shown to be like seventy stories tall, sitting in a, a chair at one point. And then, you know, we come to realize that he's also, you know, he was normal sized ish for whatever he he, he was kind of tall. Yeah, he I mean, was, was tall ish. Yeah. But but there was that that whole there was that scene yeah. where he's sitting. Yeah, in we're his, talking about the Force Awakens. That's yeah, like yeah, we
1: meet him. But that's the thing. Like it's just a projection. <laughs> right, it's an avatar. That he uses to kind of
3: It's whatever the Emperor needs yeah, it to be at that right, point.
1: Exactly. It's whatever the Emperor needs it to be. And to create the mythology of Supreme Leader Snoke and all this stuff. And it would also explain why he's just like the goddamn Emperor, like we've been saying since so <laughs> the All
4: right. But, but, but see, that begs the question though, why would the Emperor need an avatar basically to work through? Why why does the Emperor need like a you know a fake persona like Snoke to get his get his job done, because...
1: And that's the big question. Yeah, there's several looming questions to dig into. Why um, would he do this? Uh, my theory is that, to presume that, he is maybe possibly very injured and old at this mm-hmm. point. Um, we see a... We've been debating, like, what this strange chamber is in the Sith Temple. temple it looks like it could be a kind of restoration or pres- preservation chamber of some kind to kind of keep him going. So you kind of presume that he might need to use these other tricks like force projection and things because he can't physically get up and do the things he used to do. And the question is, why would he then, How? why has he been grooming Anakin Skywalker, or Anakin, oh my God, don't care. <laughs> why has he been grooming Ben Solo, Kylo Ren this whole time? Uh, my theory is that the point of this whole saga is, has been him trying to get a, sky, a powerful Skywalker to turn to the dark side. Mm-hmm. I think the twist is that we've been presented in the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy as he wants this so he can have a powerful apprentice to rule the galaxy with. That's like what he's presented it as, and that's what he's said. I don't necessarily at this point believe that would be the end game. Um, if he's all worn down and decrepit, I think he needs somebody more powerful to basically find, like, in some way take that power or take that person over or something mm-hmm. like that. Basically, as a means to kind of buy himself second life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I don't think well, it's isn't that the inc- whole,
2: isn't that the whole, Oh God, I'm now I forget the terrible line from the prequels, the, the tragic tale of Darth, what's Darth his name? Plagueis Darth Plagueis, Plagueis the Wise. And how he, you know, was able to bring people back from the dead, but also transfer life basically, force. Basically he wanted and, to
4: live forever. Yeah. And then it was Palpatine who killed him. Right. Cause that was his, that was his Sith master.
2: Yeah. After he got the secret. After he got the secret. And so this is him trying to play out.
1: Yeah, play out that kind of resurrection in a very powerful dark side user, Um, which would be, of course, Ben Solo, Mm -hmm. the last of the Skywalker line here. So...
2: Could it is be that it? the movie has a dark ending and the rise of Skywalker is the rise of Palpatine through a Skywalker
4: slash JJ's Ben not solo?
1: That. JJ's not. This isn't Ryan Johnson's movie. JJ is not that brave. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah.
4: JJ himself said I he agree. doesn't want people to think that his stories don't matter. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, like, yeah, he's not. JJ's definitely not that brief. So, yeah. no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way.
3: That would be unique and original.
1: Yeah. No. Oh, <laughs> wow. Bam! Peppery today. Peppery. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's got us buzzing. It's got us talking, and this is classic J.J. because mm-hmm. it's a big reveal in big the
2: one sense. Stupid mystery box.
1: But it's not a reveal at all in another sense because technically this could all be misdirection. We don't actually see right. Appleton. Papal- Papal- it could Papal- just team. be a voiceover. Exactly. And, <laughs> That's for a TV spot. And that would just be, again, Mr. Uh, it's Not Con J.J. Abrams. like <laughs>
2: right.
1: Yeah, so, but I'm choosing to believe that this is kind of a pivotal scene. But I don't think it's going to play out how we think it is. Like, mm-hmm. it, it feels like we're being shown this now because it, it actually is not going to fit into the movie maybe in this way that we well, think
3: Well, yeah, because otherwise, why the hell would they show it? So, yeah. like, why would they? You don't reveal something like that unless it's
4: not as a consequential yeah, as we think. Like, so, well, a week until the movie comes out. Obviously, the hype train has left the station and has run around the track yeah. so many times where everyone probably has their tickets by now. So I mean why yeah why release it just to drum up more interest unless it's something that that people are it's going to uh, change their expectations mm-hmm. for what is coming. Well this is the thing right
2: like we've gotten maybe like half a second glimpses, sounds or whatever of the of Palpatine up to this point and this was a a good meaty 30 40 seconds of straight up Palpatine and it's insane that that's all they have to give like they don't even necessarily have to show him to us for for us to be like like i said i have been pretty tepid on th- this movie up until i saw this tv yeah, i
3: was gonna say this is like a
2: different person <laughs>
3: this reacting is, to this the is, Star Wars this
2: is what this is what i wanted this is like that is more the mystery and stuff that i that i want to see out of this movie and and it's not that i was worried we weren't gonna get it but it's nice to have that kind of comfort blanket to know that okay no there is still there is going to be this stuff in there it's how ex- much who knows but this has well, got me to buy thing. in this a has actually percent. changed
1: my perception about how this movie will play with palpatine i thought it would just be you know your standard formula like oh we go through this whole movie then at the end we get to this destination and oh there's palpatine there's a big climax mm-hmm. but the way that this kind of plays out and like like in the way than the fact that they showed it
2: mm-hmm.
1: makes me feel like Palpatine's much more involved in this story overall mm-hmm. than we think like he's actually going to play a bigger role
4: which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing. Let, let me point out that we are sitting here talking about this movie and we've talked about it for months and months and months and we still have no idea what it's about. Exactly. <laughs> we have they have not released anything no. to do with the plot. They have, nope. like the only thing we know is that Snoke is back and that they're going Snoke on Snoke is dead, together. fool. Have, Palpatine's not, no, back. Yeah. Well, Snoke's kind of back, right yeah. There. Well,
1: I guess you get away with that one now. I guess you get away with that. Oh one my now. god,
2: if
4: Snoke shows up in
2: this movie, it's going to be the best thing ever.
1: <laughs> we fooled you. He steps out and it's just like Snoke and Palpatine.
2: Um, but yeah, uh, then Ryan Johnson just yeah. jig out from his robe.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like I think <laughs> it's <got> gonna. <laughs> I think it's gonna turn out to be like yeah. I think he has a bigger role to mm-hmm. play because I feel like. I don't know. There's just something about the scene in a way in what he's telling him mm-hmm. in this reveal that doesn't feel like it could come right at the end of the movie because what would the point be? Right. Maybe like, well, you went on this old quest and it was me. Gotcha. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Credits roll. Like, like, no. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, I feel like this is kind of yeah a hinge point that is going to completely change what we thought was
2: going to happen in this movie. The crazy thing, I the thing that I'm not I'm concerned about just a tiny bit is how there's a like the 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 plot. Threads are incredibly horizontal for like all of the things that are going on where we have left these characters You've got, you know, Ray doing her stuff. You've got Kylo and his stuff and then you've got Poe and Finn and Rose and Leia and like all of the characters Kind of all doing their own thing. How is it going to weave together? To presumably in the last third of the movie, tell the one, like to lay the runway for the plane to land.
1: Well, I mean, it, we're presuming that they have all these separate storylines when, like, most of the footage we've seen is, like, actually is them all together. It's right. Ray. I mean, they actually in the f- trailer say Ray's like, I gotta do this alone. And Finn's like, nah, screw all that. Like, that's done. We're doing this together. Um, and I feel like we've seen them on the forest planet like that. We've seen them on the desert planet together. Yeah. We know they'll be together in that final battle with all the yeah. ships. So it's really just, like, the only thing that seems... And we see them finding the Death Star together. So, like, it seems like this movie, they will be together. Mm-hmm. It feels Most like... Most the time, it seems like... The last Jedi split them apart for development. Sure. And then brings and this I, one brings them together as these new versions of themselves. I
3: feel like in the first 15-20 minutes, yeah, that all It'll that all will be, be answered and yeah. like we're done. We're we're gonna move forward and because that's gonna that's what up people up. wanna yeah. see. Like that's what I want to see. Like I'm excited to see that. I don't need the you to spend an hour telling me how they get together. Just skip it, man. Just get them <laughs> Just together. Bring
4: them together. Just get them together, man. Star it Wars looks like bed. We're gonna get like uh I mentioned before that Return of the Jedi is one of my favorite Star Wars movies because of that final battle sequence mm-hmm. where it has Luke fighting uh, Darth Vader on the Death Star. It has Lando leading the X-Wing fleet, the Rebel fleet, against the Death Star. And then on Endor, you have Han and Leia and Chewie like, leading these ground troops against stormtroopers to blow up the shield generator. And it balances all three of those things so perfectly. Yeah, And it looks like we're going to get something similar because you see... Finn riding those weird space horses with Naomi Aki's new character. You see Poe Dameron in, in an X-wing uh, fighting against the you know the first the massive First Order fleet, and then you see Rey potentially fighting the Emperor or Kylo Ren wherever they are. So. It's gonna. It's looking like it's going to be like a pretty interesting way in how it moves these characters into those different spots. But at least we'll get that core trio together on an adventure, like classic Star Wars style.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it is going to be the Emperor. He's, he's gone through a lot of time, but he hasn't learned anything. He's just going to be pulling a classic another Battle of Endor move where it's just all a trap. I mean, and that could be the scene we're seeing, like Kylo Ren... Mm -hmm. finds him, and he gets there, and it's like, well, you're here with me, and we're going to do something. Rey's going to probably not be far behind if Kylo's there Mm. based on their connection, and then meanwhile... Above this planet, like ships everywhere raging, yeah, like a yeah. giant team. laser,
4: giant. <laughs> laser. Palpatine has proven he's pretty uncreative when yeah. it comes to new things.
1: Like, <laughs> I mean, <he's laughs> build sne- another Death Star. He's very he's sneaky. A Death Star. He's very sneaky and he's very good at the kind of planning stages. But when it's time to get up, <laughs> he it's goes just all, all, Dr. all, Dr. all order <laughs> sixty-six. Yeah. Yeah. all over. Again. Max
4: imagination that. way Yeah like, I
1: have a master plan. (laughs) We will wait all these years. And then attack while we fool them into thinking they've won. Yes, that'll work again. But, um, yeah, so, man, very interesting TV spot. Go check that out on comicbook.com, Star Wars. Uh, We're going to move on to another part of the Star Wars drama that's going on. Uh, Yeah, so apparently we're not done with The Last Jedi yet because (laughs) the Star Wars cast... Has been out doing interviews as Rise of the Sky as Rise of the as the Rise of Skywalker comes down the pike, and they've been taking. There's been some kind of shade jabs thrown at Last Jedi from the cast and crew. John Boyega, as I put in the show notes, John Boyega opened his mouth hole and kind of got this ball rolling, kind of suggesting that he like. I mean, he kind of took Mark Hamill's side, basically saying that he questioned a lot of what was going into the film and maybe didn't like a lot of the kind of development. But uh, then he saw what happened because of that, and yeah. he was just like, oh, no. And he had to kind of walk that back, clarify those comments, air quotes. Not the only thing he's had to clarify. Oh.
3: What? I mean, he keeps opening his mouth. He opened his mouth about Rose, and he opened yeah. his mouth. Like, he's he Him just talking, about. Talking, talking,
4: did. did you hear what he said? <laughs> like, yeah, no, oh, I, I didn't hear it. What was the Rose thing? He said that people on social media that, like, get – that maybe they're weak for how they deal with social media – And it kind of like everyone conflated that, that he was talking about how Kelly Marie Tran was very real, you know, cyber bully. Because the interviewer brought up her name
3: in the question. So then he says, oh, well, if you're, you know, you're probably a little weak minded. If you're, yeah, you know, having that reaction to things, I'm then just a, he apologizes, and I'm like, dude, stop talking. <laughs> <Just> shut <laughs> up, yeah, stop John, talking. I'm just
4: amazed that no one at Disney like sat these people down and were like, look, <laughs> hey, nope, 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 yeah, nope, please don't talk about right. this. Please, if they talk about this, if they ask you about this, here's how to divert. Just support you, you know?
1: your cast members and move on. Mm-hmm. It, it, Be like, I love amazing. Kelly. I hope she's doing all right. And you know, she didn't deserve that. Move on. Real easy. Yep. Yeah. John Boyega, I think he's getting a little tired of the Star Wars press tour. I think he's coming to the eh, end probably. Um, of, of his page. I think they all are. I mean, Daisy Ridley has been kind of like, yeah, like I'm done boy. with the BS. And
3: like, Oscar Isaac looks bored out of his mind <laughs> in every single press junket interview. Like, yeah. he sits there and he looks mildly annoyed as the <laughs> resting face. <laughs> I mean, Wait, like, just, which, uh, which
2: has me thinking his role in this movie is not going to be as big as people maybe maybe want. Or even think. The only role, big role he had was in Last Jedi,
4: really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I wouldn't expect. He should be to, singing Last Jedi's praises. Exactly. Well, no, he ex- hasn't talked about it, right? He has No, yeah. he's been the one. I mean, Oscar
1: Isaac, he knows he's <laughs> a pro. He yeah. Yeah. A, he's <laughs> a pro. Yeah. He, and he's lived through something. He was apocalypse and survived. <laughs> yeah. like, he knows how to just yeah. let it go and fade away. Like yeah. He knows how to do that Homer Simpson in the bushes move. Like mm-hmm. a <laughs> Yeah, John Boyega, <laughs> I think is just getting real. I think they're all getting tired of this. I mean, the interesting and thing. Li- I mean, rightly so. They've lived through the most divisive. Yeah. Star Wars run
2: of all in the most v- divisive era of all. Like, I'm sure they're just like... It is just crazy to me that we have gotten basically to a week before the movie opens and now everyone's like, oh, well let me tell you about what I think about the last show. Right, yeah. That's, this like, you couldn't like, make it one more Oh, way. yeah, we're not even
1: done. Adam Driver forgot the name of the film <laughs> in, just funny. In, in an that interview. Funny. He was like, in the, uh... <laughs> uh and that, that, I mean, and so people... Funny. And that just became, like, fuel for another flame war yeah. for Troy. To be like, yep, this is how good people love The Last Jedi, the star says. And of course he can't remember. And JJ even threw a little shade at it with a little backwards well, JJ.
2: I think the JJ stuff is not necessarily out of context because he JJ has for a very long time said nothing but nice things sort of about The Last Jedi. And even the the there's a segment of his quote before before the quote where he basically kicks himself in the ass about it um where like you know he says he says some good things uh, about the last jedi and then you know makes what seems like a backhanded backhanded compliment about it i think you've got it pulled up.
1: yeah i have it i have it right here he says the last jedi is full of surprises and subversion and all sorts of bold choices on the other hand it's a bit of a meta approach to the story i don't think that people go to star wars to be told this doesn't matter yeah like that's hard that not was to definitely see. a
2: poor choice of words. I don't necessarily know if that was fully his intent.
1: I don't. How do you get that I, from that? Yeah, what? What? That it's a that, that
3: it's not his intent. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that yeah. second part is very It's purposeful.
1: very yeah. Like <laughs> I think so. Like I yeah. feel like he doesn't agree with Ryan Johnson's whole approach to Star Wars. Is basically what that boils down to. Like, <laughs> he
4: read the script when before the movie was made. He said he read the script. Yeah, and he, he loved said, it. He said, and he wished he was the one making, making that movie. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's, so like <laughs> it just feels like Disney and Lucasfilm and the people involved are doing a lot of backtracking when it comes to The Last Jedi because they don't want that same backlash for well, right, because man. they want because they
2: want the people who hate The Last Jedi to be to to know that this, this movie is not that. the last Jedi.
1: And I think that's an insidious thing about Hollywood is like I think there's what you privately say mm-hmm. and stuff. And then there's what you're forced to go out and say in public. And that's always yeah. a shady, shady thing. And so I believe the person who told the anecdote that, you know, I know J.J. It was, it was Greg, Greg, Grun, uh, yeah. uh, Greg Grunberg. Gunberg Grun- Yeah, I don't want mad to butcher his name, but I did anyway. <laughs> um, Greg Gunberg, you know, who said, who uh, plays one of the pilots in the sequel trilogies from Heroes. You, you've seen him around. So he JJ basically, James he's friends friend. with J.J. And he said, like, you know, he saw when he got the script for Last Jedi and said, man, I wish I could i would have made that which is something he points out because jj J. abrams never really says that and so like this was a rare case that he remembered and i believe him i believe that that happened i think that he is he didn't mean to throw i think jj J. is very careful in a media pro mm-hmm. and i think he was just trying to do what jim is saying which is sell the rise of skywalker as this is not the last jedi yeah um and he chose a words and some words that he kind of picked out yeah but he did kind of throw Ryan Johnson
2: under the bus. <laughs> no, and so there's no, it was yeah. immediate with those. Like,
1: people words. took those things immediately. Yeah. And just blew it up on Twitter and social media and said, like, this is proof that like Ryan Johnson sucks. And mm. that's so bad. Like, you can't. I know you have to sell this movie and, and it's a tricky thing to do, but like, yeah, you gotta really take some care to preserve your co-stars and co-workers especially after you saw what happened to them on yep. like the level of bullying yeah. like Ryan Johnson is a Jedi because he has remained <laughs> if he's not like taking like hitchhikers and like killing him in his basement by now like <laughs> I- I'd be amazed because he has just seemed so serene and well-adjusted yeah. well adjusted well dealing with here's this, the thing that, too, like, right where you well, like where's ev- your outlet coming from you,
2: like, if you look at everyone who was involved in the last Jedi from director to actors to whoever the actors are the ones that have the biggest problem because Ryan Johnson has been able to go off and continue making movies like Knives Out which everyone loves right and what has Daisy Ridley done that ev- that everyone has loved? What has John Boyega done that everyone has loved? Since Pacific the Room Jedi?
4: Uprising yeah. and Murder Nothing. on the Orient exactly. Express. <laughs>
2: and, so, <laughs> and so like so yeah it, but that's they're going to be Johnson's like they well, I <laughs> yeah. I understand that but like that's that's what I'm saying like they don't Ryan have an jo- outlet. Right, though they don't either they don't have the outlet or or they're frustrated that they're making poor career choices. Like Ryan Johnson would brush it up he continues to brush it off or he he's just like yeah come at me whatever you don't like the last Jedi whatever plenty of people did uh go see knives out.
1: Well, <laughs> Right, but they're also under lock and key of making these Star Wars movies. Well, right absolutely, like, sure. Yeah, they're not going to like hop into the Marvel franchise. No, yet. like I mean, they're going to all have good futures in the movies. Like, but I'm if not that's your biggest
4: them. problem that people didn't like your Star Wars movie, then <laughs> I really have no sympathy for yeah, you. Yeah, I know
1: <laughs> these people are going to have massive careers, and so I'm like the FDA, and I'm like the FDA when it comes to film. Like, I don't believe anything until like about ten years have passed, and we can look back then and be like. Mm-hmm. Now, because I'm really curious, and I still maintain where we are right now with Last Jedi is not where we're going to be in ten years. Oh, absolutely! It's all separated not. when a new entire crop of people come to Star Wars without any of this stigma, baggage, without any yeah. of the baggage of the trailers and the secrets and the theories online, and they just get to sit down and watch all this. I'm going to be really curious where Last Jedi pops very out. True. It could easily pop out to the top of the top, like the top of the pile, just like Empire. Well, they say like gonna,
2: you're going to see it on the site. Uh, Revenge of the Sith is much higher in the comicbook.com Star Wars movie rankings than I think any one of us have anticipated.
1: Yeah. You say that like it was a surprise for you, like you didn't put it I at the top of your list. I mean, I mean yeah, you're yeah, wrong. It, Wait, I've always tried tried to the
2: the put in here. But not it your number one? It is yeah, my number one. I love that right bo- now. Look, I love that movie.
4: But I'm at the same kind of, like, time a Senate
0: hearing right now. Like, it's still in the bottom half.
4: It's still in the bottom half, but it's higher than Solo, so it has that going for it. All right.
1: So, if you want to see all this stuff, we have this Last Jedi. I mean, if you want to dip back into this, we have the controversy that's popped up on Comic Book com star wars you can check that out all right when we come back we are gonna deep dive into crisis on infinite earth talk about the new xbooks and give a quick review of jumanji the next level so don't miss any of that
0: knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes
1: The Arrowverse. I mean, to me, I mean Arrowverse. Ooh, it's it's running on fumes at this
2: point. I have not given two poo poos about. <laughs> yeah,
1: stop on the show.
2: Self-censored <laughs> about. Oh my god, the Arrowverse <sighs> until Sunday night. Yeah,
1: no, and Crisis has changed all of that. Um, I tried to catch up. Before it, I, I couldn't do it. I just had to see it. Uh, here's the thing. You don't, you don't really need, need to. to. No, they recap everything you need to know before they start an episode. Yeah, like, and was beautifully done. Like, yeah, and so, yeah, you'll get caught up real fast. But Arrowverse has been, like, for me, one of the best crossovers, mm-hmm. you know, superhero crossovers I've seen. Uh, definitely the pinnacle of DC television, like, for me. Um, even with, like, you know, all the Titan stuff and stuff, this has just been, like, really incredible I liked for part one, I liked part two, but part three was, I mean, I was Russ Burlingame, who's like our DC TV guru. Mm -hmm. I was on contacting him throughout the episode (laughs) in real time. And I was at it for like half the episode for about 30 minutes before I was like, I got to put my phone down and just finish this because it was just moment to moment. Awesome stuff. So we're gonna recap Crisis on Infinite Earth. This is gonna be a full spoilers discussion. If you have not seen Crisis,
2: you can go watch see it, it right now yeah, on the CW on site, free streaming. on the
1: CW website. Go check that out because it is definitely worth seeing. So in full spoiler spoiler territory, uh yeah, I loved how this is just kind of right off the bat started. I like how it started with all these awesome cameos mm-hmm. as the Earths were getting wiped out by the anti-monitors antimatter wave. We got to see Burt Ward. Nice. We got to see uh, do dude a deliver a classic 89. line. Yeah,
3: yeah, that was great.
1: And yeah. dude from Batman eighty nine who played uh, the reporter. Oh, yeah, that was yep. great too. yeah, and and I love the universes like Universe sixty seven or sixty six for Batman or sixty seven yeah, for what was eighty nine for Batman. Yeah. We saw the Titans universe get wiped out.
4: Saw birds it, of prey. Yeah, yeah. We saw, yeah. yeah that was, that was later on. Was that was awesome. the first
1: episode. That was Awesome. spoiler sorry yeah yeah no the first episode but each op- like episode opens with some yeah. iconic cameo of person from the dctv universe past and like getting their universe wiped out um but we'll just talk about it as a whole we don't need to separate it so like yeah we saw those awesome cameos me and matt were talking though the most heartfelt one i think so far was uh there were two for me smallville one mm-hmm. with tom welling oh, such a great scene <laughs> yeah such a great scene Basically, John Cryer's uh, Lex Luthor goes back from Supergirl, goes over to the Smallville universe because he takes the Book of Destiny. He's been going through the multiverse trying to kill all the Supermen Mm -hmm. just to, you know, sate his personal vengeance, you know. (laughs) So he finds Clark Kent, Tom Welling, um, who's just out chopping wood in his Smallville farm. And they have this great Lex Luthor Superman that was so good. hero villain kind of exchange with Lex boasting what he's done and like, I hate you in any universe. And Tom Welling's just kind of looking at him like, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, yeah, uh
3: huh, okay. One of the best lines is when he says, Man, I don't miss these yeah, conversations. I don't, <laughs> I don't miss the speeches. Like, yeah. He's like,
1: yeah. But then like Lex tries to use the book on him and is like, he can't do it. And he's like, What? He's like, What's going on? And he's like, Well, I'm no longer Superman. And he's like, what? You gave your God? You gave up your power? Like, why would you? And he steps on, like, a little toy jump truck. And then from the farmhouse, you hear, like, two little girls playing. And Clark Kent just kind of points. He's like, well, you know how it is. He's like <laughs> – and it's so – and it's very endearing. Like, yeah. And it's very meta, too. It was so great because it was Tom Welling basically doing a scene that said, guys,
2: I I'm no done. longer yeah. care yeah. about yeah. this Superman I am stuff. am done. It was so yeah, good, I'm though. Done, I'm not Superman anymore. Because, Leave me alone.
3: Like, when he came on, right uh, – to this project like he read the script and he literally looked at like the writers and were like wow i have to give you guys credit for like writing a script i can't say no to because like the main writers on the show were huge smallville fans so they Mm -hmm. literally wrote that just specifically like that was like two fans just doing whatever they could to make their ultimate thing right and it feels that way from the music the mm-hmm. minute that scene starts the music oh hits, no it was
1: very smallville like you know yeah.
3: she walks up lois there walks up, dance and,
1: and you do her answer like oh, yeah, oh my god out.
3: who is my lois uh but then <laughs> like uh Lois, like current Lois, walks up and yeah, like, with Colic. the firefighter. Like she says yeah. some comment about why is he so pokey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next to dude, Superman. There some, yeah, and then like yeah. Tyler Hoechlin, like
1: yeah. looking at him and being like, dude, like because he's like significantly smaller." I could do that somewhere. with one hand. Like he's yeah. still, like
3: all those little things are perfect. Like are such a cool vibe.
1: Yeah, and that. when um, when Lex tries to punch him, when he knows he's not Superman, Tom <laughs> Welling catches his hand and just clocks him. He's like, "Oh, I'm still bigger, still stronger." Like, "Oh, that's nice." Such a cool yeah, scene. Yeah, sure. he just kind of like walks off and he's like, "Forget all this," and he just goes in the house with. Lois, and that was like the perfect epilogue to yeah. Small Village ever. Expect. I
2: also really love John Cryer's Lex Luthor.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been pretty good. He's, he is good. And that's the other thing I wanted to address. I think the other thing Crisis has done is actually convinced me to maybe check out certain parts of the Arrowverse shows I've stopped
2: watching, mm-hmm.
1: like, or haven't watched. Like, I think this has been a great thing for Ruby Rose's Batwoman if yep. nobody else, yep. who's been like really kind of a great addition to this crossover. And her presence actually feels like Batman is, <laughs> yeah. is part of this yep. whole thing. And she nails that kind of role as Kate King, but like fulfilling that Batman role mm-hmm. that you would expect in a DC hero team up. Like, kind of more cynical, kind of just more practical, always, like, scheming on a scheme and, like, mm-hmm. trying to stay one step ahead of people like Lex, and, and like, and it's it's just great. And I also her, think
3: it's been really good for Iris.
1: Yeah, oh, Iris has been good, yeah. and, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes all these people, and especially, like, a lot of the Arrowverse, they even, without having to do a whole A-Force team up, like, it, it has showing a lot of respect to the mm. women of the Arrowverse mm-hmm. and what they bring to the table, and like you know what they do, either as superheroes or just support systems like Iris, yeah, um, and why she's important and all of that. And but so, you, like, I do yeah. want to go
2: back to the the Batman of it all because I think there was a very cool twist with Kevin Conroy. Conroy as yeah, so
1: Batman the animated series star Kevin Conroy makes an appearance
2: uh-huh. as, as, uh, as, as a as Bruce Wayne in in a Kingdom Come type get up, not Kingdom Come Batman. Yeah but a future Batman. Yeah, like in, a little Easter
1: egg ode to that, to him being in the kind of mechanical place right. in a universe where he just finally snapped and killed all the villains. And this is a bad Batman. Yeah, this is yeah. basically like Frank a Miller's Dark Knight kills. Returns universe if Batman had just gone nuts and, yep. and like actually killed everybody.
2: And, and he killed, killed Superman. Superman.
1: Yeah, which is so, that was he so he kept chilling. the trophy
2: too. Those yeah. <laughs> were dark.
1: And how he killed him is so he took him out as Clark Kent. Well, they allude to it like being an epic fight to them. Mm-hmm. But it looks like from, the, from just piecing the dots together, it looks like in the end, he just assassinated him. He just shot yep. him with a kryptonite bullet in the face through his glasses. <laughs> like So when he was Clark Kent, presumably. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah which is cold-blooded Batman. And if
3: Batman were a killer, that would be exactly exactly what he would do. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm not going to fight you again. That hurt last time. Yeah, I I thought that was a really... I was not expecting
3: that twist, and I thought that was really interesting because it made that... Like, I haven't been... I haven't loved, like... Some of the, like the Kingdom Come, like Superman moment, I wasn't real jazzed about. It and yeah. love that. I thought it was thing. just
1: fun to see Brandon Rolfe. It was that, cool. Yeah, it wasn't it's like. It's just as like man, and uh, they actually did a pretty good TV budget Superman us, on yes, Superman mm, for fight. It, like for, yeah. on
3: that budget, absolutely. Uh, though I will say, I think one of the coolest battle sequences is actually the battle sequence where, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But you know, part of this story does center around Oliver. Oh yeah, It does center around you know people kind of knew that this would be in a lot of ways the a sort of send off or whatever. And seeing like that battle sequence where he's the last one and like runs out of arrows. Like that's so, there that was a lot, there was a lot there. That was a mm-hmm. cool sequence.
1: Oh, we've even talked about all the cameos. Oh man. uh Oh man. I don't know if we're going to get to the X-Men books. I want to do that too. <laughs> but uh, we also saw, they weren't that
3: great this weekend. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, Let's we'll get the X-Men books. Spoiler. Let's talk more. Spoiler. Crises. They weren't that great. Um. Yeah. John Wesley ship from the 90s. Oh, last <laughs> series. That one got me in the heartstrings oh. when it's revealed. So, Barry Allen's had this whole kind of doom proclamation hanging over him, sort of Damocles, since the beginning of The Flash. That he's Since episode in, one of The Flash. Yeah, yeah. she's going to disappear in Crisis. The Flash will disappear in Crisis.
2: So he gets. Four years ago that the that egg was planted.
1: Yeah. And so, like. We get there to the anti-monitors, anti-matter wave generator, which Mm -hmm. is powered by none other than the Flash running on a cosmic treadmill Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Gosh, I hate that thing. Yeah, (laughs) I hate it too. But I was like, this is awesome right now. Yeah, they did it. I was like, they're using the cosmic treadmill. I I was like, ew. But like, they made it really cool. (laughs) So we find out it's not Barry Allen Flash. It's Flash. It's the Barry Allen from another Earth, Mm -hmm. Earth 97 or whatever, 96, whatever, the year of the Flash (laughs) series um and it's John Wesley Ship who appears in a flash often but yeah. Back in his original Flash costume as Barry Allen from the 90s. Awesome. So awesome. And, like, he actually sacrifices himself in place of Barry Allen. And before he does, we get a flashback. That was so that That's cool. what got me in the heartstrings because I remember that scene. I was telling Jim it, like, triggered me. I was like, ugh, I was a kid in the <laughs> 90s again. And seeing that kind of scene between him and Iris that in the old so 90s cool. show before he dies, like, I was like, oh, man, this is like my childhood coming full circle. It was great. <laughs> um, that was just a, such an awesome cameo. And we got Black Lightning finally. <laughs> In the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. And man, him and Cress Williams and uh, Grant Gustin did some great scenes. Like, it, I
3: like that it wasn't just a, oh, hey, he's in the corner. Yeah. Like, no. They actually <laughs> had him doing stuff. The interactions yeah, with him and the, the rest of the team. The dramatic part cool. was yeah. really
1: good. Like, yeah. them talking about their dead fathers and that connection and mm-hmm. that they were both murdered by an enemy and like all that stuff yeah. and family we've lost. Like, and just seeing, like, Barry Allen and him really kind of come to respect each other as, like, friends and heroes in this crazy moment, it was great. I hope Black Lightning is in the mix a lot more because, yeah. I mean, he's a really great addition to him because he, he has that stature, Crest Williams, like, and he plays yeah. that educator, like, kind of mm-hmm. lean-on-me Morgan Freeman guy. The like, dude really looks well. like a
2: freaking superhero. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it does. And You're so, like, like, like yeah, me. he just adds something really great that's, to that. That's place. actually
3: one of the things I love about the cameos is that a lot of them like, yeah, you get some that are just because of the time limit of like the world has to go. That's a short one. But like the way Ellis is worked in here, mm-hmm. like as Lucifer and that whole exchange, that, that whole scene,
2: but, like we had, yes. a, we had to talk about that. Oh yeah. We
1: were getting into that. Yes. <laughs> sure. That
2: whole scene is yeah, they're, phenomenal.
1: They're organically worked in, in, in like very logical steps. I mean, they feel like a because we don't have to go yeah. here. Yeah. We could just go to purgatory, but like, it makes it so much fun. Yeah. Like, it does. When they go to Earth... Okay, so the other piece of this is Oliver Queen dies defending mm-hmm. Earth-38, Supergirl's Earth, before he gets it's wiped really out. It's well done, by the Yeah. Me. And so they, like, are going to bring him back using the Lazarus Pit. It's a familiar thing, but they can't have him be insane. They need to get his soul back from wherever it is, and so that requires Constantine to make an mm-hmm. appearance. Um, Matt Ryan to come back as Constantine <laughs> again. he's on there. Yeah, golden. And he needs some help getting into purgatory to get this soul back, so who do they have to go to see? They got to hop over to Earth 6-6 and go see Lucifer yeah. from the Lucifer TV series. Yep. And uh, what's his name? I forget the actor's name. He, it's Tom Ellis, right? Tom Ellis. Yeah. Tom Ellis, yeah. Who had been lying to everybody for months. <laughs> yeah. saying, Stop
2: asking me. I'm not in crisis. It's like we but saw, saw him on set and he was like, no, no, no. I was just visiting friends.
1: No, definitely in crisis. And... Him in a scene with him and Constantine uh-huh. just talking trash to each other and maybe alluding that they maybe slept together at some point. Or <laughs> that, <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That has like, been the
2: yeah. one thing that everyone's like, oh, how are we not, never yeah. going to see it? Because when Lucifer got canceled and moved to Netflix, everyone was like, oh, man, we're never going to see yeah. that Lucifer-Constantine moment to see if we can actually ship those two. And sure enough, it got delivered in, yeah. A, yeah. in crisis. And
1: it was great. And like, yeah. And just yeah, man, just him just messing with like our, like mm-hmm. with uh Mia yeah. uh, Oliver's son and like reading her such a like a hard ass and like he kinda makes her like feel all vulnerable. <laughs> <This> <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh. Like this is so good. And it's just like, yeah, moments like that are just so payoff. I just kept like having like total geek out during yeah. this episode because i look down i was like folding laundry i'll look down I look up and be like oh
2: my god <laughs> well that like that for me that was like the moment J- that jim Kurrigan is is mentioned in shows oh man we didn't then, even like, see like the like, freaking frig- yeah, right, yeah. right? so yeah. that's like appearance on appearance that
1: whole storyline with oliver's <laughs> soul you're like this could be the really boring part of this right then they go see lucifer you're like oh my god that's cool then they get him out of purgatory they have like a standard moment, and reverse moment you're like all right and then as soon as they're about to leave and you're like okay well the segment's over he's like Hi, I'm Jim Corrigan. Like, you've <laughs> got to come with me. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, the specters in this, too. Like, oh. Was, so, like, was
4: yeah. Would that actor, it, that character appear in anything before? I couldn't remember S- if that was. Spectre
3: was supposed to. In Constantine, he was... wasn't he, or did he show up? in He did
2: show up in Constantine, yeah. but I can't remember if it was the same actor. I'm yeah, because that's the one thing that Spectre... felt out
4: of place is he's just like, by the way, I'm the Specter.
2: You, Spectre, the, I know Specter did show up in Constantine, okay, but I yeah. can't remember if it was the same. Yeah, I can't. And remember he was supposed to
3: have a bigger, way bigger role. He was a way role bigger role in, in the two. next
2: season yeah. that would have been on Never NBC. Happened. Yeah, yeah, but so, that was still like so right. cool to just pull that and go, oh yeah. But now Stephen Amell is back as the Specter. Yeah, which, which again is just like, oh. It's, it's like one of those things. It's like it's oh my god! It's so comics, but it's like it's comics on TV. He doesn't also need to change that, that green. Hood. Wasn't Green Arrow Specter at one point in the comics? Green Lantern. Green, green Lantern. Lantern. Oh, that's yeah. a flip. It was Green yep, Lantern.
1: Yeah. Right. And green Arrow Jordan confronted him. Like yeah, yeah, I remember that. I knew he, I'd read that. He doesn't All need right.
4: to change his hood. He has that green hood already. He's good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey, the budget's been stretched for this
3: one. We, <laughs> gotta, I gotta, we gotta say speaking keep of down. speaking of him, I thought that. For someone who has not cared about Arrow mm-hmm. in a minute, <laughs> like coming in, I was like, okay, I'm ready for this chapter to be done. Do whatever you're gonna do with Mia. And, but like, I thought that scene when he actually's on the table and all the heroes are around and like Mia's there, I thought that was supremely well done. One, because he slips in the still find your mother. Like, he hits mm-hmm. all the points yeah. that he's supposed to hit for like setup, but he doesn't in a really, I feel like that was like one of Mel's best. Performances on this show. No, he's done a good him? job. I mean, yeah.
1: he's coming to him. Him and Grant Gustin are put in work for this. Like, like
3: his whole, it's not my, it's not time yet. Like, did you yeah. get everybody off? It's not time yet, and like still
1: hits like that's something. Yeah, no, really I good. mean, he's bringing it home, Stephen Amell. I mean, he's putting in the work for this last run, and yeah, he's been great. And like, yeah, um, Kara and Batwoman almost facing yeah. off. That was we so good. We need more good. of those, too. Yeah. Those two together. Is- yeah, they need a World's Finest show. <laughs> I'm think i serious. I think you could fix, like, even if you just took a season, mm-hmm. like, I mean, to give the actual paying for both independent shows a break yeah. and just did a season where it's just the two of them doing a World's Finest, I think that would be the best They're great thing together. you could maybe do for both those yeah. franchises right they now. They play off
3: so well with each other. And
1: then we get to the cliffhanger. Yeah. Which is,
3: like, well, I thought it was such a cool... Twist because it starts happening and I'll let you run down. But like,
1: no, no, go ahead. I mean, take that home. Like, yeah. No, I mean, I just. Vanishing point? Yeah, yeah, doing the
3: vanishing point and having these like seven, you know, what paragons? Paragons, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Seven paragons. And then for like all of a sudden, Superman just starts like fading away, and then and then Cryer pops up, and he's like, yeah, I just wanted to be a jerk. Like, he does it just to be <laughs> a jerk, and essentially he's like, alright, so I rewrote the ancient prophecy. What we get, What's next? Yeah, I was like, like, oh, what's next? That's a great... He now took a Sharpie like- and wrote Lex <laughs> <laughs> He was so happy though to be there, and he's just like, alright, so what are we doing? And I'm like, okay, that's a great cliffhanger. Yep.
1: A great to now they out. gotta work. So all of existence gets wiped out by the anti-monitor who uses a harbinger and what is a f- pretty freaky scene actually mm-hmm. oh
3: white eyes <laughs> yeah
1: like with layla michaels who becomes harbinger she gets kind of co-opted by the anti-monitor and the man- monitor sacrifices himself to kind of get by pariah time you know uh harrison wells pariah mm-hmm. time to send the paragons to vanishing point which we haven't seen since like early legends mm-hmm. seasons um, and I forgot. Was I the only one who, like, when they went there at first, was like, "Isn't this the head of a celestial?" And was like, "No, wait, that's, <laughs> that's, that's something else." Like, but uh, yeah, vanishing point, and so they're they're the only things left in existence because physical existence has been wiped out. All yeah. the Earths are gone, um, and so they're at this pocket outside time and space, and they've got to try to now mount a battle against the Anti Monitor and kind of fix all this. And like, yeah, it's supposed to be the Paragons that include like you know Sarah Lance, Batwoman, Supergirl. The Flash, Oliver Queen, uh, Ryan Choi, who's like a human character, scientist who's going to have some kind of role to play, Mm -hmm. um, a few other people. And then, yeah, it's supposed to be Brandon Routh's Superman Kingdom come Superman. uh, And Lex Luthor just makes him disintegrate and takes his place. (laughs) Now,
3: I have, because I'm a little behind on the shows, Ryan Choi, has he become the Atom? Yeah. Well, he, no. he is introduced no. here. Yeah. This is oh, the first time was we meet this him. First yeah. One. Okay. So
2: he he made. I he had Adam. been introduced before, and I was but like, no, oh, okay. he the, he had he has. It was introduced during this. Event.
1: Okay. They set it up because he, remember he says to Palmer that like his whole thing about molecular bobbly book was yeah. like what informed his own studies on shrinking. Oh, okay.
3: I just assumed he had been introduced in a show at yep. some point. Nope. In this oh,
1: okay. Interesting. Yeah. They got budget for real Atom maybe finally. Hey, for real Atom. <laughs> uh, not some weird miniature Iron Man suit we can see behind. <laughs> so yeah we're gonna take a look at that but um yeah if you can't tell from our discussion like crisis it's just been like wall-to-wall geek out fun and as i tweeted like this is why i stuck with the arrowverse this long Mm -hmm. i might have dropped off a few shows i might have gotten behind on a few but this is why i stuck with it because this was the payoff and it is paying off so far
3: i was thankful that i i because i only stuck with one i stuck with legends hardcore legends all the way but
1: yeah, like the, you could still get the build
2: that they've had from crossover event to crossover event. Like, I don't know how you do another one that's bigger than this.
1: Honestly, yeah. I mean, like, there's easy like, you know, stories. Yeah, sure,
2: like, but like
1: it'd be interesting ooh. to see like a Batgirl Tower of Babel story or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Like. I feel like you almost need to do something like that. like yeah, Something that something really brings it down. Bring it, yeah, well, okay. Elseworlds wasn't as big as like no. Earth X, for instance. Yeah, like, They kind of sure. scaled down for Elseworlds just and to they've... set up Crisis. And it kind of alternates, really. It's like a big mm-hmm. one, and then kind of a smaller one, and a big one, and kind of a smaller one. And that's great, because yeah. then you can do,
3: you know, if, geez, right. if you want to do... If in a crisis, or who knows, in two years, if the Arrowverse <laughs> is still going and we can somehow get a Green Lantern in the mix and get Blackest Night. Like, there are certain yeah. things Oh, Blackest you can Night do, would be crazy. Right? You know? That would be a great event. Yeah. But you take a break for a year, maybe get a Lantern in the mix at some point, and then you can do something like that. Yeah. You know,
1: so. But, I mean, this has been the biggest so far, and, and it's been great. So. Also, props
3: to that Death of Superman recreation. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That yeah. was
1: great. I mean, we could spend a whole yeah. episode just talking all of the Easter eggs that are just, like, thrown in all over the place, and they're so great. Yeah. And they're like, if you've been a DC fan for a long time, like, yeah, there's so much payoff to this. So check out that out. Crisis streaming free on the CW site. Go check it out. All right. We're going to end today with a real quick uh, review of Jumanji, the next level. It's going to be real quick because I'm the only one who's seen it. So uh, this is going to be very easy. Um, we had Brandon Davis who uh, saw it and met the cast yeah. and talked with the Rock and all that. But uh, he's under the weather today for <laughs> unknown reasons. And so we are going to carry on in his place. Um, I'll say that Jumanji: The Next Level is if you loved the reboot, Jumanji: uh, Welcome to the Jungle. This is a rare case of a sequel that arguably kind of improves upon the first one, uh, because I think it realizes its its strength. Uh, it's not so much about the video game of us all, mm-hmm. all because we've we've now established that in the first film. That's what it hinged on the first film was just going through the hijinks of being in a video game and like being an avatar and all that and how that was mismatched to the personalities of the actual real people and having these actors kind of play that up like Jack Black is a teenage girl, whatever. And, you know, Kevin Hart's an actual huge football player in a tiny little Kevin Hart body and all that stuff. And a nerd is The Rock. So in a kind of shy girl is is Karen Gillan in a mid drift and looking buff and tan. So... (laughs) What this does differently is introduces two, a bunch, some new characters, the main two being uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover as two characters. I'm not going to give away many spoilers, but Danny DeVito is the main character of the nerd kid's uh, grandfather and his old friend is, uh, is Danny Glover. And they get sucked into the video game. And Jumanji 2 is like, uh, I mean, it is nonsensical as a plot. Uh, it's just get out of Jumanji again. So not a lot there, right? Mm-hmm. But what makes this movie work and actually makes it really fun and funny is the seeing these actors imitate one another and kind of do play that up. It's so much funnier in this time because Danny DeVito and Danny Glover bring these personalities that make it so just enjoyably funny when the other actors are playing them as the video game characters. With like Kevin Hart as Danny Glover like steals the show in mm-hmm. this because Danny Glover's character is this kind of whimsical old man who takes a long time to talk and is always just like kind of sounds like oh my like yeah he's just like that like the old black guy like like stereotype cl- classic and it's just hilarious coming out of Kevin Hart's mouth as this video game when he's reacting to this video game because they play up their age and so like half the time the guys don't like won't accept that they're in this video game <laughs> they think that like they're demented they're having dementia or something like that And the way Kevin Hart imitates Danny Glover is just spot on, hilarious. Mm. The Rock's not so as good as Danny DeVito, but Danny DeVito's personality gets to hop around a few characters, and some of them are really good. Uh, Other people appear, like Aquafina's in this movie, and is like steals the show uh, as a kind of uh, one of the video game avatars. Uh, Joe Jonas is back; like everybody comes back, and like I said, it's really great. Karen Gillian gets to Gillian gets to play her character's the same. Um, It's the same girl, but uh, she's now more confident and kind of, like, more into this. And, and so that changes her role a little bit. Mm. And they eventually, there's a whole hook to that. that like they're searching for the nerdy kid this time who went back in because he's having personal problems. And so when they find him, who he is, and, like, all of that really is a lot of fun. And there are a lot of laughs in this. Like, the adventure, the action sequences aren't really that much, like, anything to write home about. They're not all that memorable. But like like I said, a lot of the comedic moments and the imitating moments are just so darn enjoyable that it's it's really hard not to like this movie. Sweet. So yeah. if you're looking gonna, for like I'm kind of a I'm family friendly, see you're seeing that down the middle family-friendly, mm-hmm. good kind of adventure, funny comedy movie. This is a good one to go check out. That's so.
3: probably gonna be our Christmas Day movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, it's it's a perfect Christmas Day movie. Like you're gonna go in, you're gonna come out, you're gonna feel good, yeah. and like you're gonna have a good time. So Jumanji and this thing can keep this train can just keep rolling because. Well, There's like he's an infinite said, right? number of ways to play with this concept and and have The Rock and Kevin Hart and Karen Gillen and maybe not Jack Black because he may be retiring uh now. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's the other thing. Not to leave him out, he's great because in this he's fridge this time. So no. he's like the huge football player kid. And Jack Black does I mean, he's just a great comedic performer. Like he is so good at alternating between playing a teenage girl in this and a huge <laughs> oh, yeah. black guy football player. And you think like some of those could go really wrong, but he just nails it, especially as Fridge. He is so good. I love Jack Black. Yeah. Yeah, he's great.
3: Well, that and like you said, that's the strength I feel of this franchise is that it doesn't really have anything to do with the plot or the concept. It's the it's the actors having fun in that world. You can do that. Eight million yeah. times, right? Yeah, you can just matter. keep
1: hiring crazier and crazier people. <laughs> Hire Steve Buscemi, Gary Busey, oh, get everybody yeah, I in. I'd love it. to see
3: Steve Buscemi in a Jumanji movie. And just
1: like, or just oh. people like have force Kevin Hart to be Steve Buscemi or in The Rock to be Gary Busey. <laughs> like just do stuff like that. I mean, this just train can keep running. So uh Jumanji, I'd probably give it a like a solid three, three and a half. I mean, it's nothing spectacular, but like I said, the the main fun factor and enjoyment is there. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you're just now joining the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday. Make sure you always check out both. You don't want to miss either one. We have so much good stuff in both. So every Wednesday, every Friday on ComicBook.com, you can subscribe to our RSS feed, or you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, tell your Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcasts, or check us out on YouTube. If you want to talk to us about anything we discussed in the show, hit us up at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw.
3: You can find me at
4: Matt Aguilar, Cb at Jim Viscardi. at What Was Joe.
1: All right, uh, I forget. Do we anything? Oh yeah! If you're liking the show, leave us a five star review. It's been a good first year. Uh, we are approaching the end of season one. Man. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, February, I think is the end of, uh, will be the official end of season one. Start of season two. Big things in the works for season two. You always got to drop that plug. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, if you're liking the show, Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Every so often, we will be reading your reviews and sending out T-shirts to those who leave us very nice reviews on that platform. So be sure to get in and get yours up on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. This is Comic Book Nation. We're getting out of here. Deuces.